0: Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein.
1: And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Jesse. I'm the Senior Diversity Coordinator at the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm happy to be here.
1: <laughs> We're very happy to have you on our show. First of all, could you kind of tell us how you found Northwest? How did, What was your journey to get here?
2: Previously, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska. I was like, hey, this is... Relatively nearby, I should probably apply and then see how it goes.
0: So, what were you doing in Lincoln? Were you working at the university there or?
2: So I moved to Lincoln in 2016 for my doctoral studies. So that's what I was doing over there. And I was part of the Office of Diversity and Inclusion over there. So that started about three years ago. So I was right there when it all started. And so I think that experience kind of like, you know, laid the foundation to apply for DI related jobs.
1: Okay, so what is your PhD in? And what kind of DI work were you doing there before you came over to Northwest?
2: My PhD work is related to marginalized women's access to education, right? Especially certain populations, like for India, there's like cost driven discrimination and things like that. So trying to break that cycle and make sure that they get into an education system and see what how education affects their life trajectories. With the DI work, I was very much involved with the education piece of it. So conducting classes, um, having guest speakers, we even started like, you know, a group discussion uh, where we, it's think, grow and belong. I'm probably messing up the order right now, Um, (laughs) but it's a place where we brought people with who are locally present with different areas of expertise, right, so that we could learn from them. Like we would have Native American professors come there and speak to us about their struggles or what it meant to go to a boarding school and things like that or what does the research say. So I think very much involved in the education side of things.
1: So is that what you do as the senior coordinator now? So can you kind of give us an overview of your job here at Northwest?
2: So my job at Northwest is like super interesting, right? And I love the combination of the things that I get to do, because I'm in this unique position where I get to work with employees and with students. And so my focus is pretty much like education, programming and training for everybody who's in the campus and community. So I get to interact with a lot of people across age groups. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Education is a big part of what I do. I also work with like the evaluation piece of it. So one of the things that we're doing is um, the IDI, which, which is like the intercultural development inventory, and trying to see if that's like a good fit for our campus or not. What is the
1: IDI? Could you explain that a little more?
2: So the IDI is about like a 10-minute survey. And what it does is it tries to identify intercultural competency, right? And it's validated and reliable across multiple cultures. And so this kind of helps us see where we perceive ourselves to be, and that's called the perceived orientation. And then it tells you actually where you are, which is the developmental orientation. And then it tells you what the gap is And then it tells you, hey, what are the things you could do to move across this continuum? Because the way it sees intercultural competency is not like, hey, this is a destination or you're either competent or not, but more so that it's a continuum. And this is where you lie on it. And it's like a lifelong journey of learning and improving.
0: Has diversity and inclusion been an interest for you for a long time? You know what's your undergrad background in? You mentioned, you know, your PhD work, but what what was your original degree when you when you first went to college?
2: So my bachelor's is in psychology and my master's is in counseling psychology. So I've always been interested in DI work, just that at that time I didn't know it was called DI work, if that makes sense. So my master's thesis was also to look at At that time, this was the title, and it might seem inappropriate right now to name it that way, was uh, relationship satisfaction among heterosexual and homosexual men. So even at that point, like having that as a topic in India was like, it was taboo, like nobody spoke about things like that. So even trying to find the people who are willing to speak to me about what their relationships look like, right? Um, And trying to see things that needed to be changed for them, because only in 2018, did it even become legal in India to have like a same sex marriage. And this was before then. So Yep, I would very much say that I've been inclined with DI-related stuff, but at the time, just didn't know that this is what it fell under. <laughs> what
1: made you want to pursue a PhD in this area?
2: I mean, I understand,
1: you know, doing DI work and how that could be, you know, very fulfilling in,
2: in educating people, um, but why the PhD? I got my master's in counseling psychology and is was working as a school counselor right? And at that time, I was interacting a lot with parents and uh, their children and also working with teachers and other staff members. And one thing I realized was that I needed to bring about more educational stuff, right? uh, Across and we needed to have more training with parents more training, like get them more involved in conversations. And typically, what it would be was like, I'm a parent, you're a child, I say you do, right? So there was no room for open conversation. And so I felt the need to pursue higher education so that I could equip myself so that I'm able to facilitate those conversations. And that's kind of what led to the PhD, because what I do is, what are these conversations that people have at home, right? How do parents talk about education? Like, is that something that they prioritize versus like, you know, just, hey, find any job as long as you're able to support yourself. But what is the long-term goal? Where do they see themselves in 20 years and things like that? So that's the piece. That intrigued me. And so that's what made me follow it.
1: That's a fascinating tie-in with the IDI, right? Mm -hmm. Growth opportunities Mm -hmm. and intercultural competence and then mindset about those growth opportunities. Very interesting. So what kinds of programs are you working on now? What are you providing through DI?
2: What What are your
1: favorite things to do?
2: So this is my first semester on campus with students, right? So I would say that this is very much like a learning phase for me, because I'm trying to understand how the campus works, how do we put across programming and things like that. So one of the things that I've loved working on is to put in um, Heritage Month resources on the ODI website. And I've had uh, student workers in the office help me with each one of them. right? And it's uh, it's been a good learning experience because we're providing those resources for everybody. We're trying to identify the resources we already have on campus, where, for instance, like the library has been amazing because they give us a list of books that are for that month for instance for hispanic heritage month we highlighted hispanic authors hispanic stories and you know a movies list that we have that people could lend i mean Lend, right? Or borrow, 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 yes, because they're getting it from the library, things like that. And then we were able to like work with them across the three months that we've had and kind of develop that resources bank and then identify that, hey, you know what? These are probably missing parts. We probably don't have as many movies with us on these topics, or more recent ones, or more like older ones, or documentary type ones. And that's helped us like improve that resource bank as well. So that's one of the things I enjoy doing, even like with celebrating the history months, you know, kind of like having those discussions with students. I think that's one thing that I always look forward to, because I want to know how how people are thinking, why they're thinking what they're thinking, and what makes them think that way, and how do they want to grow from that point, right? Like, I'm always interested to have a conversation, so... Like even when I take class, I've taken a few like classes or like education opportunities. You know, I've said, hey, you get out of it as much as you put into it, right? Because there's so much that you can talk about, but you kind of have to come with questions that matter to you. And that's how learning happens. Like I could come here and talk about so much, but if that's not important to you or that's not relevant to you, it doesn't matter. But if something bothers you, let's talk about that because then we can build on that And the learning is like continuous, right? Otherwise, it's like, oh, this was amazing. And then it just fizzles out.
0: You guys also have an awesome new space over in the student union where you have, Mm. you know, hangout space for students. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. So when you enter the space, you have uh, right in the front, you have like a docking section. And then on the right, you have like a learning section. So that's kind of like, we like to think that's the quiet area, right? It's not quiet all the time. And then we have a conference room, which is open for everybody to use. And, you know, you could reserve the space, you know, if you wanted to have a study group or if you wanted to have a group meeting, it's pretty cool. It has the owl in there. So it's like, it's kind of creepy because it, you know, it identifies where the sound's coming from and follows you. But it's also kind of cool where you have to like pull up a document and like work on it and things like that. And then we have the lounge space, which is where students just come and hang out with each other. They do homework. There's usually something playing on the TV. So it's like... It's a life. I think that's where, pe- you know, sometimes when they have to do um, like their projects or things like that, they come, they brainstorm about things, they help each other out. They sometimes have study sessions over there too, and they have lunch together and things like that. So as coordinators, Brittany and I get to like hang out with them on a regular basis, not just hang out, I would say interact, right? And we have conversations that we might not have had otherwise. Like, hey, you know, why is this the way it is? Like, you know, watch a movie and start questioning, like, why is it that this is what happened versus this? Like, what are they trying to show us and things like that? And we get talking. So this is a wonderful place. I would suggest everybody to come and, you know, have lunch here. But yeah, <laughs> and have conversations.
1: What are the conversations that are happening? What are students interested in talking about these days? Right. I mean, and we know we work in higher ed, like students always kind of have similar they're in a similar developmental kind of place and they have lots of conversations about things that are meaningful to them. But what in the DI kind of world are you talking about on a daily basis?
2: So I would say one of the regular conversations we've had is about the book club that we used this semester. So that was Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy by Emmanuel Archo, right? And I think that brought about really good discussions because we spoke about what it means to grow up as a Black person in the U.S. um, and how you're viewed across different age groups, right? Um, And things like how do people respond to you or what are the expectations or what are some things that others think is okay, but for you, it's like, no, it's not. It's like a solid no, right? Like you just, there's no gray area over there. We speak about cultural appropriation quite a bit, about acknowledging that Hey, you know what we are like a global village, but we do still need to acknowledge that hey, this might not be part of where I'm from, but this is something else and I'm borrowing it because I like it and I appreciate it, but how much does it get acknowledged? You know, like do you give credit where credit is due or do you just take it, use it and benefit out of it? We talk about how sometimes it might be used inappropriately or being offensive right and then how that affects people like what does it mean to be offended by something like does this mean you're being overly sensitive like always trying to know what is the history behind something like where does this stem from like like we say words but words mean something, right? They have the power to make or break a person. And so how do we choose our words carefully and things like that?
1: What would you say on campus for those safe, safer career services? Mm-hmm. What can we do to help make those types of conversations safe in our spaces as well? We have a very diverse student team. What are some good practices for supporting DI in our spaces?
2: And this might be something that gives room to more conversation, right? But in one of my recent discussions, the student brought up that, hey, what does it mean like when I apply and then it has a white name versus a black name, right? Does that have any impact on me getting a job? Or how does that have an impact? Or if I identify as a man or a woman or as a transgender person, what does that mean for me? And then they were trying to talk about like how uh, organizations have anti-discriminatory clauses, but they're like, how does how is this actually reinforced, right? Or how do I know if I'm being treated a particular way because of one of my identities? And I think that would be a good conversation to have uh, in career services because we know research tells us that, hey, if you apply with a white name, the chances of you being called back for an interview are greater than if you have something that's different, right from a different culture so how can we work through that and you know what could students do to prepare themselves when things like that happen or how can they maximize that opportunity to you know either leverage their voice for others or kind of like hey I'm given this chance I'm going to be stellar and I'm going to prove that this opens doors for more people right and change that narrative so I yeah I think that would be something to look into
0: so one of the things we've we've had um, several DI office members on the podcast. We had Dr. Mallet last season. We've had Brittany Roberts on there before. Um, so we'll link to those, of course. But one of the things I think is is really amazing about the DI office on the Northwest Campus. You're you're a very small staff. You're even smaller than our staff, and you guys have kind of been charged with changing the culture of the institution. So. No big deal. Just if you could wrap that up by five o'clock on Friday, that'd be great. So can you tell us about how, how you are going about that? You know, you're, you're a small team. You have this giant task to do. H- how are you tackling that?
2: So I think the answer is in the question, right? The idea that the three of us are responsible for this is inaccurate. I think we're all responsible for this. And I think when with that mindset, if we just act more consciously with everything we do, it might be Dr. Mallet, Brittany, and I probably like putting the programming together, like creating these opportunities where students have a safe space to talk about things, where employees get together to talk about different things, right? Because our issues or our things of concerns are different, but everybody is a stakeholder and everybody has a part to play. And so I think that mindset needs to change a little bit to move to that. Hey, I can make a difference. I can make campus more inclusive. I can make my friend feel better in class, I could use more inclusive language, or I could be mindful of the things that I do. That would bring about the change.
1: Consistently. I think we've kind of seen in here that, you know, one of the big keys is that in, in, in creating that safe space is it has to be consistently safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your right. right. inclusive language has to be something that you're growing, mm-hmm. you know, through and you're, you're consistently using.
2: And I think that might kind of like stress out some people because they're like, oh, my God, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I offend somebody? And I think we should be okay with making mistakes. It's the thing. How do we rectify that? Right. So we all make mistakes while we're learning something new. Right. Be it math, be it music, be it singing whatever you're doing, right? Because we're trying to be good at it. And it requires constant practice. So we should get comfortable with the idea that, hey, I'm going to make a mistake. But if I make a mistake, I'll own up to it. And I'll change and try to learn. So the next time, maybe the mistake is not as big, or I'm improving or again, going back to the growth and learning mindset.
1: And I think holding each other accountable, part of having DI as an arm or a, a branch, right, is is to be able to hold each other. And I, I'm not talking about you all and us, maybe necessarily, but for all of us to know that we're here to hold each other accountable for being inclusive, right? I know that I can come to you and say, Jesse, like, I'm making mistakes. What can I do? I need you to, I need you to hold me accountable for that. And you, you know,
2: vice versa, right? To be comfortable with that type of relationship across all departments on campus. You're absolutely right. Because if I had to come in and talk to like an agricultural department about how to do agriculture, they'd be like, we don't even know you. Like, why are you saying this? But if it's if it's one among them who identifies, hey, this is what we do every day, and I think this is how we need to change it, it's more relatable, it, it's more understanding. And it's like, oh, this person knows exactly what I'm doing, and then this is relevant to me. So I think you're absolutely right. Like, we need allies and advocates everywhere. <laughs> yeah. To kind of like you know keep pushing that
0: needle. Where do you want us to be in the future? And I think we don't we don't talk about that enough. It's always like what's been done or what's being done, not what we hope happens.
2: So I think some of the things that we're looking at is for cross cultural learning, and so I have like a special passion for this because as an international student and as an international employee right now, I think there needs to be learning across cultures. It's just not that. I understand how the system works but I want the people over here also to understand what my life looks like and what my values and beliefs are right and to have like hey we could differ in these values and beliefs but we can still coexist and you know live together and have this atmosphere atmosphere of inclusive excellence right because it it doesn't mean that you have to put down one person over the other to make a point that hey no this is i can only shine you cannot so i think one of the things I'd like to see is have cross-cultural learning where people are able to take the time to learn about others' values and beliefs and then kind of like have like an understanding and respect for it.
1: An appreciation. Yeah. I think the respect is foundational as well, but I think of all the things that the international students in our office bring to like things we were totally not aware of until they came into our space, right? Mm -hmm. And were kind enough to share with us. And just the the way that we can appreciate what they bring in even more now that we're aware of it, you can't appreciate something you're not aware of.
2: Absolutely. And I think that goes even with the domestic underrepresented population, right? Because the graduation rate is different. The success rate is different. And we're trying to build a system of equity. So how you know, we're going to look at the resources or the things or collaborations that we need to make in order to like bridge that gap. So definitely looking across like different identities and, you know, and how that affects people, especially in education. Yeah, that would definitely be key.
1: Where are you originally from in India? And what is a major difference between American culture and Indian culture or something that surprised you? Or I'm sure there are (laughs) lots of differences.
2: Yeah. So I am from the southern part of India. It's um, in the state of Tamil Nadu. Uh, So Tamil is the language we speak and Nadu means the land of Tamil speaking people. And so I'm in the capital city Chennai. So Tamil is one of, it's one of the oldest languages. And I would say one of the biggest differences is the weather that I feel. And I know this is not true. I cannot think of all of america when i'm talking about this right but so one of the changes that i see was because Chennai is like a coastal city and so we have the second longest beach and the weather's always like humid and tropical and then when i moved to the midwest i moved in jan so i was not prepared at all i had no idea i came here with a few sweaters thinking that would be enough clearly no so that was like the first shock for me and then I think the second thing that I had to learn was to use more technology with work as compared to more like in-person things or like, you know, even like with teaching material, things like that, we'd have more handouts in people than like, hey, go online and check on Canvas. Uh, I, I've said this quite often. So the first day that I went for class, there was already like a pre-reading assigned for us. And the professor said, hey, the reading's already on Blackboard. And I was like, oh, Okay. I told her, hey, I just came. I didn't see this. I'm, you know, I'll catch up, right? So after class, I walked around the department trying to find the blackboard because my frame of reference was a blackboard with white chalk on it. And so that was just funny. And one of my seniors was like, why are you walking around? Like, what are you looking for? I'm like, I'm looking for this big blackboard where all the readings and homeworks are put up, right? And she's like, okay, Jesse, sit down. Let's open your laptop and (laughs) let me show you, right? So it's like even words which meant different things to me meant different over here and so i think that was all like part of the learning you know i had a an international
1: student as a roommate and we went through our whole first semester of living together was kind of developing our own kind of language right because she would say things and we would be like we do not know what you're talking about you know she's like i'm sure this is the word she was using the word heel my grandmother's heels and we were like i don't know about your grandmother and her heels like i don't (laughs) really know what's going on here um, but she was saying hills. It mm-hmm. was just that her accent was like turning it to heels. And we didn't have enough context to figure out what, what she was saying. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, that is one to kind of turn the, the conversation back around.
0: Mm-hmm. That is
1: one thing that I love about Northwest. That is one of my favorite things about Northwest is that we're in the middle of fickle Missouri weather, mm-hmm. a rural place, right? place we're two hours from any large city. Mm -hmm. but we have people from India. We have, my roommate was from Ukraine. Our graduate assistant is from Brazil. We have students in our office from Nigeria, from Mm -hmm. Kansas City, from Chicago, from Florida. Mm -hmm. That is a true privilege to me, right? To be able to come to campus and to be able to talk to people from all over the globe. And I think that's one of my favorite things about being here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like you you wouldn't think you would meet all these different people over here. And you're like, wow,
1: okay. (laughs) Any last words, thoughts for us? No. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. It has Mm -hmm. been a pleasure to chat with you. Um, And I was in your office yesterday and it is an amazing space over there in DI. And I would encourage everyone to go check it out.
2: Thank you so much for taking the time and giving me this opportunity.
0: Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. And we'll talk to you next time.